Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Jesse Cup. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy. All right, so what I'm going to talk to you about today is, is the Nehemiah Project. Um, and and we, you guys have been hearing us talking about this. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to just talk about it like it's just something we're trying to do. The goal is to stir faith and for us to recognize how much God is on this, how important this is to God, how, how key this is um, as a piece of our developing story as Overflow Church and our assignment of heaven being released through us onto the earth around us. And so the Nehemiah Project is a real practical part of a bigger thing that God's doing. Um, if you've been following us or staying with us for very long, you've probably heard this key phrase that God has given to us as a church from the very beginning, before this church even became a thing. The Lord started speaking to us from, uh, from the journeys of Moses and Joshua to get to the promised land. This, this word that God spoke to them over and over, and He spoke it to us. He spoke it now to us as a church. It's this, possess the land that I have given to you as an inheritance. I'll say it one more time. Possess the land that I have given to you as an inheritance. And, you know, here, here's something that we need to understand, that before you try to possess something, we need to understand that, that it's God's promised inheritance. And if, we, if we're just trying to possess things that we want, like, you might get it or you might not. But when we know that it's God's promise and it's his, it's his inheritance to give to us, then we can know um, what our target is. We can, we can aim our faith and our action in a specific place. And it also helps us have assurance that what we're going to go after is going to happen in this right time. Okay? So possess the land I've given to you as an inheritance. We first need to understand that it's an inheritance from God that he's already given it to us in his mind. It's already done. It's a promise. He, calls it, he called it for them the promised land, but they still had a, a, they had a Red Sea to, to get through. They had a Jordan River to get through, and then they had giants to kill and, and enemies to crush to get it. But, but it's all about knowing that God's over there beckoning us, saying we got it covered. You, you take the, the risk. I'm going to meet you in it. And so last week, um, I, I talked about the Nehemiah Project, and the title of the sermon was, It's More Than Just a Building. All right, just a reminder, the, the Nehemiah Project is about us getting into a building, a, is a, the real practical piece of what this is, to get into a building um, so we can have a, a physical home as Overflow Church family so that we can meet together. But it's not just about having a church building. It's about having a place where we get to gather together in unity. We get to have koinonia fellowship. We get, a, we get to encounter God's presence together. And, and we get to continue creating a healthy family. And we get to train and equip the saints to be powerful and free and healthy sons and daughters of God. And raise people up to change the world. Amen? So the, it's more than just a building. 
But having a building is going to give us so much more um, application, a, lo- a lot more context. Uh, you, as you guys know, if you've been with us, like we're scrambling every week to find a place to have church. And we've been having church outside. And those of you who, who've been able to endure the, the heat and the humidity and stuff, you've been experiencing this with us. And, and here we are live streaming because we had nowhere to go this week. Praise God, we're still moving forward. <laughs> but, we, but we're feeling the need for a building. And in a sense, that's part of God's gift to us in this time is sometimes He causes you to feel the discomfort of where you're at so that you can recognize how much more you need to push yourself into seeing that breakthrough come out. Amen? So, But last week I was sharing about this and I was talking about it from God's perspective, because, you know, this Nehemiah Project journey, it's not just us as a church working really hard trying to make a building happen. It's us walking in, in a step-by-step partnership with God. He's walking us through this thing. And, and, and if, you, if you didn't hear the message, I want to encourage you to go back. Now, I'm going to, I'll admit, it's a little long, but it's journals of glory. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, like, okay, if it's a little long, because I want you to hear it and get encouraged in your faith, because it's about, it's about encounters with God. It's about um, angelic visitations that's involved with this Nehemiah project journey. There's dreams, prophetic dreams that God has been um, releasing the story of what his heart is in us getting into the building. And, and about uh, the prophetic insights about it, that he sees us like we're giving birth into the earth, something that already exists in his, in his realm in heaven. We're, we're able to pass that through into, this wor- into the world. And, and all these things happen through these prophetic dreams and, and occurrences, all right? Um, there's been visions, angelic visitation, and, and activity happening. It's been wild. You need to hear it if you haven't. And, and while I was sharing these things, I don't know if you guys could attest to this, but, but it felt like the Spirit of God was stirring spirits during that time. And, and I actually had a few people, at least two or three people afterwards, tell me that they were seeing angels while I was sharing the God stories. Because, and they were getting excited about what we're talking about. And every time I'd be talking about the breakthrough we're about to step into, they actually saw with, with, with their spirit eyes, they're seeing angels in the area getting excited about what's getting ready to happen. Now, if we can see what God thinks about this, then we should get excited about what's happening now and what's about to happen. Amen? So after looking at, at what God's perspective is and His involvement with this last week, today, what I want to talk about is, is our side of the equation, okay, the practical side, because to God, where it's, it's the, the promised land inheritance, that was what we talked about last week was his, his visual of it. Now we got to talk about the part about possessing the land, okay? Uh, the practical side of it, the obedience side of it, the accomplishment side of it. And I'm going to take you guys through some story today, um, not, not so much on the encounter part of this, the journey, but about some of the ways we've seen God come through on the practical side of it. Um, but before I start talking about that, I want to take us through some of the story 
of Nehemiah, uh, because we're calling this the Nehemiah Project. I wanted to spend some time helping us understand um, the, the meaning of why it's called the Nehemiah Project. Um, that's what I want to speak into today and then how it applies to us. So I encourage you, if you can, get your Bible open. If you're watching this from home, I guarantee you got a Bible somewhere around you. So go grab it. We're going to start with Nehemiah chapter 1. Um, I'm going to read a few different sections out of, out of 1 and 2. Uh, and then I'm going to start unpacking this stuff. So Nehemiah chapter 1, I'm going to start with verses 1 through 4. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, it came to pass in the month of Chislev. I might be saying some of these wrong. You guys know that. In the 20th year, as I was in Shushan, the citadel, that Hain and I, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and, re distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. All right, I want to just, I want to give a little bit of context with what's going on in this story already. Um, Israel had been um, in captivity at this point. The, at this point, um, Israel had been divided into two regions. There's a northern territory and the southern territory. The southern territory is called Judah, and that's where Jerusalem was. And about 140 years prior to this, Babylon had come and pretty much uh, made, made their kingdom fall. And then, they, and then they went into captivity for a long time after that. Um, so in that time, when they're in captivity, some 140 years later, here's Nehemiah. And Nehemiah, um, was, he was a prominent man in the government even though he was a Jew, and he was actually made to be the, the cupbearer of the king, Artaxerxes. And a cupbearer is a really highly trusted person because they're gonna, he's going to drink the first sip out of the cup every time to make sure nobody poisoned it. So he's basically putting his life on the line for the king all the time. All right, And so this was in, this was in Persia. Um, up until this time, where Nehemiah comes into the story, there had already been two waves of, of the Jews returning back to their homeland. And then this is, this is where it picks up, all right? Um, so as Nehemiah is hearing about his people, he's hearing about the homeland and that it's, that it's destroyed and things aren't going well there and the walls, the, the walls are supposed to protect you from the enemies and keep it a safe place. It, it just broke his heart so much to hear the condition of his people and his home city. Um, and so the, the next verses go into him. It talks about him mourning uh, for a few days. He's praying. He starts praying to the Lord, and he starts acknowledging to God, reminding himself and God that God had said hundreds and hundreds of years before that if Israel will obey the Lord, he will bless their land. But if they disobey, and they disobey enough, not only is corruption going to come on them, but they're going to end up in captivity. And that's exactly what happened. So he's asking the Lord, he's repenting to God for the sins of his people. Now I want to stop there and say this. 
though we know that the, there's the conditions of our land right here are not what, what we believe is God's blessing, right? The, the, as far as the nation and everything. Um, and, and so we've got to take a look and, and see that God has better plans than probably a lot of what we're seeing right now. Um, but and we've, got to, we've got to trust that that still is in his heart. But, but what we have to do as God's people is align ourselves with him and repent to the, to the Lord for the sins of the land. So that's what Nehemiah is doing. So he's having a real heart connection to the problem and the need at hand. I'm going to pick back up in verse 8. Remember, I pray, the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. Which That's what I was just saying. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though some of you were cast out to the farthest part of the heavens, yet I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. Now in context for us, that looks like the body of Christ coming back together and, it, and even prodigals coming back home and it looks like revival. Amen. looks like revival and it looks like, uh, it looks like reformation. It looks like a lot of order being brought back to things, all right? Now these are, are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. Oh Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name and let your servant prosper this day. And I, I just want to pray this right now, Lord, let your servants prosper in this day. And I pray and grant Grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the, the king's cupbearer. So he was praying, knowing that he's about to go talk to the king about needing favor to do something about the problem, all right? So he's praying that God will grant mercy in the sight of the king to extend him favor in this situation, all right? Now, um, I wanna, I'm going to go ahead and go into chapter 2 and, and read verses 1 through 10. This is when he's going to go to the king that he's a cupbearer to and share his heart with him. All right. And it came to pass in the month of Nisan. I drive a Nissan Altima, by the way. In the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, that I took the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had never been sad in his presence before. Therefore the king said to me, Why is your face sad? Since you are not sick, this is nothing but sorrow of heart. So I became dreadfully afraid. He didn't know how the king was going to take him looking this way in his presence. And so the, and said to the king, May the king live forever. Now just pause and recognize he's putting honor towards a king who's not even a godly man. Selah. Why should my face not be sad? When the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Then the king said to me, What do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. And I said to the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. That's pretty audacious if you ask me. This guy was a servant to the king. In a, hold, in a place that's probably thousands of miles away, saying, can I stop serving you for a while and go take care of the people that you guys made us go into captivity from? But the, but the king's, 
He loves this man, right? Then the king said to me, and the queen also sitting beside him, How long will your journey be, and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. So the king wanted to help him in this matter. Furthermore, I said to the king, If it pleases the king, let letters be given to me for the governors of the region beyond the river, that they must permit me to pass through till I come to Judah. So he didn't just need favor with the king. He needed favor with all the different governing officials in the territory they're going to for them to grant them passageway or permission to do the things that was on his heart. And, a let, and also write a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he must give me timber to make beams for the, for the gates of the citadel, which pertains to the temple, for the city wall, and for the house that I will occupy. And the king granted them to me according to the good hand of my God upon me. Come on. Now I want, I want you to take note here. He got favor with the king, and then the favor extended to govern, governing authorities to give him permission to do what he wanted, so access. And then the favor went even further to going to people um, who are going to grant them the supplies, the physical supplies that cost money to build this thing that God put in his heart to do. And God gave them the favor to do it according to the good hand of his God upon him. That's amazing. Then I went to the governors in the region beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent captains of the armies and horsemen with me. So not only did he give him access and provisions, but he also sent protection and help with them, right? That's pretty cool. Now check out verse 10. When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official, official, sorry, the Ammonite official heard of it, they were deeply disturbed that a man had come to seek the well-being of the children of Israel. Let's just laugh at that. Ha, ha, ha. How many of you know that if God is going to call you on a kingdom assignment, there's probably going to be some kind of opposition that doesn't like you going on that turf to do God's kingdom work. Amen? Now, Sanballat and Tobiah become prominent characters in the story of Nehemiah. They became his opposers, his oppressors, his, his resistance. Okay, and, and so they hated that he was going to be doing this. I'm going to skip down to verse 17 through 20. Then I said to them, oh, sorry, I, I can't skip yet. I need to explain what happens in between there. So, so Nehemiah, when he gets to the city, he doesn't tell people what he's doing. He's kind of going quietly so he can, he can scout out the land, see the condition of the problem, and make some notes so he can figure out what kind of a plan of attack he needs to do on this. And then, and then he gathers the, the elders and the people of the city, the, the Jewish people together. And, and so picking up at verse 17, I said to them, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me, and also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. All right. When he shared not only the calling 
and the, the vision, the purposes of, of his heart that God put there and showed them the need and stirred their hearts with that. He also showed them how God's grace and favor had been on them in this. Their hearts were stirred and they wanted to rise up with them and they put themselves into it and they said, let's do this together as a community. Let's put ourselves into this. We're going to rise. We're going to build with you. Come on. That's awesome. So I answered them. Sorry, verse 19. But when, but when Sanballat, that one guy, the Horonite, Tobiah, that other guy, the Ammonite official, and Geshem, the, Her- the Arab, heard of it, they laughed at us. So they mocked them and they despised us. What is this thing you're doing? Will you rebel against the king? So they're trying to like get them to feel distressed and they're emotionally and get weak and, and not feel good about themselves in this, challenging their hearts and their motives. So I answered them and said to them, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. I'm going to say that over us right now. The God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we his servants will arise and build the enemy, I, I'm not talking about people. I think that Sam Bella and Tobiah can represent the spirit of the world, the, the demonic forces, anything that tries to, to not bless what we're doing, but try to resist against us. We can speak to this and we can say the God of heaven himself will prosper us. And we as servants will arise and build. And we can say that with great confidence that we're going to see this thing through and it's going to happen. Amen. Stop right there. Now, now Sanballat and Tobiah, they keep finding different ways to come against them. Um, they hated them coming to do this work of God in the area that they thought was their home and, and the work of God's people. And they declared that this was going to fail. They made many threats and accusations against them. But isn't that just like the devil? When we try to do the things that God's called us to, what does he want to do? He wants to do anything he can to get us buckling our knees and quitting soon, quitting early. But they didn't listen to their threats. They didn't allow themselves to get intimidated. They stayed focused on the mission, eyes on the prize, all the way to the end. In Nehemiah 4, 8, 9, it says, All of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. The enemy likes to attack God's people, and he likes to create confusion. And when he can create confusion, it gets people second-guessing themselves. It makes them start getting cloudy. Oh, what were we here doing? What was our mission? Wait, did we, ha- we had a mission? Kind of forgetting these things. I want to say this. Um, I see that happening in the body of Christ right now, just during this last four months that we've been in. COVID quarantine, people get used to not being in church. They get used to not um, being accountable to one another. I'm doing my thing. I'm, and, and, and people get complacent, and not just with church, but with God, with each other, with callings. And the Lord's calling us to, to come out of that cloudy confusion and get sober-minded again. Amen? So I declare that sobriety of mind with the things of God in this kingdom. All right, so nevertheless... We made our prayer to God, and because of them, we set watch against them day and night. Now the enemy tries to bring confusion so he can disrupt unity. And so that he can disrupt our focus of the mission. Okay? 
Now that's what, exactly what God's trying to do with us as a church is to, is to reestablish unity unto our mission that God's given to us. And we need to, we need to pray and we need to keep watch of any place where the enemy tries to find little cracks and crevices and try to bring lies or try to bring confusion or try to encourage us to get complacent. And it doesn't really, like, a, I'm good, I'm good. I don't need to be doing all that other stuff I was doing. But no, God's trying to get us honed in, amen, and moving forward together, all right? The enemy tried to set up attacks against God's people with Nehemiah. And in verse in chapter 4, verse 14, he said, I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your house. And I think that the Lord wants to remind us to not be afraid of anything that tries to come against us in God's plans for our lives. And that he wants to remind us to remember the Lord and his greatness and his awesomeness. And that he's with us. And that we need to fight for our family, fight for our brothers, our sons, our daughters, our wives, and our houses. Fight for one another. When Nehemiah had them band together and cover one another. There's so much independence in the, in the body of Christ. There's so much, um, I'm just trying to find my way through this. I'm trying to do what I am supposed to be doing. And, and we're not, it makes, when we're focused on that, it makes it hard to think about the other people around us, that we're actually supposed to be bridging connections. It's called unity. And we cover one another. We're not just out doing my thing. I want to help you be safe. I want to protect you. I, want, I need you to protect me where I've got blind spots or when I'm feeling weak. We've got to protect the vision and we've got to protect each other. Amen? There are continued distractions against Nehemiah. And verse, chapter 6, verse 3 he said, so I sent messengers to them, talking about Tobiah and, and uh, that other guy, Sam Ballot. And, and I because they were trying to get them to quit what they're doing and so he could go have a meeting with them so they could reason together because their threats weren't working. So maybe I can reason you out of this thing you're doing. And so he tried to find every way he could to get them to slow down. But Nehemiah told them, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? That's a good word. And we need to, we need to know, we, we need to be confident that the things that we're doing for the Lord is a great work. And that we need to not let the enemy or anybody or any circumstance cause us to compromise what we're doing or to cause us to quit doing it so we can go try to reason with people. Uh, maybe I can get you to understand. Yeah, no, I got to stay focused. I got to keep doing what I'm doing. I don't have time to divert my attention to the petty things that God is not in. All right. We need to never forget the significance of our assignment. We need to not fear man or circumstances. Keep our eyes on the prize. Amen. In the, if I could do a, a bullet point outline of the story of Nehemiah, it would look like this. The problem, 
His heart was moved with the problem. The calling, he embraced his, his ability to take responsibility to do something about the problem. The prayer, he sought the Lord and got God's heart on the matter. The pursuit, he sought the people who could, who could cover him and help him make this thing happen. And, and then go do something about it. The favor to see God show up, that he backs his assignment when, he, when we do the things that God's called us to do. Step out and take a risk. There's going to be favor on it. The buy-in. He cast his vision. He shared with the people the things that stirred his heart so he could catch their hearts and bring them into it. And, and, and showing them how God's been on it the whole time and their hearts came into it and said, let's arise and build. Let's do this together. The opposition. The enemy wants to disrupt God's plans because he's afraid of it. Because he knows he's about to get crushed. The work. You can't just have great promises without doing something to see them happen. So there's skin in the game. we got to do what we got to do. Amen? The provisions. When we're doing the things that God's calling us to do and we're being faithful to partner with heaven on earth, doing the practical in faith in connection with God, the provisions come. God doesn't let us go without. Seek first the kingdom and its righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Right? The persistence. There was, there was the obstacles. There was the labor. There was the resistance. All the things, but they had to stay the course no matter how hard. And finally, there was the reward. The wall went up. The, the temple got restored. People started gathering together. They were done with the hard work, so that now they could start um, congregating, worshiping God together, experiencing His presence, and getting realigned, not just with the physical building, but, but the, in a prophetic sense, the body of Christ started getting reestablished and realigned again. Come on, revival came. It's amazing. They, they repented to the Lord when they started realizing they weren't living God's kingdom lifestyle for them. And, and God moved. And that was when, and they started crying out to the Lord and in repentance. And Nehemiah said, uh, he said today, what did he say? He said, he said, you don't need to keep mourning right now uh, because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so the Lord brought them. He shifted them from mourning, which is important for repentance. He shifted them into a place of the joy of the Lord. Man, what an amazing outbreak of God's presence amongst the people. That's amazing. Now, I'm going to take the next little bit just to kind of unpack all that and how it looks prophetically with us and the journey we've been on because I want to share um, with everybody, just some of the cool things along the way that God's been doing that helps us feel like He's in this, moving us towards um, getting into a building and, and being able to get into a building for the purposes of bringing the family back together and, bring, and, and building something, encountering God. We, we believe that the building is just a physical context of, of a place where heaven can land on some people and we can encounter them together, and we can build the, the family connection and go deeper in that place, and we have, we'll have, you know, hopefully we can get in there more than we've been able to get in other places because we'll have unlimited access. And, 
And, and we're gonna, we believe we're going to be raising people up. I, I believe that the more people come into their identity of sons and daughters of God and the, uh, the amazing grace, the radical love of the Father, and, and getting free from shame and bondages, and, and then we, from that place, we can be equipping people in how to walk in the gifts of the Spirit and administrate the power of God and take that into places and get victory and gain ground and see the atmosphere shift everywhere we go. And people are going to see in their own worlds, whether it's in their families, in their workplaces, or, or clubs that they're in or whatever, we're going to start seeing heaven manifested in higher levels. I am excited so it's more than just a building, all right? So, so there's the problem, and we know the problem is that we need to see revival. We need to see a healthy kingdom culture, and that's what we're going after. There's the calling, and, and the calling is, is just understanding that God's actually given us an assignment to put ourselves into that. And to, you know, we, we brought um, the, the blessing and the covering of Bethel Church here with a, with a unique kingdom culture that comes, you know, from core values that we're trying to build here and stuff. And, but we're, we're here to build family. We're here to host his presence. We're here to raise up revivalists. I love it. The prayer. So it's just about coming into uh, an understanding of God's heart and going after this stuff. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's just being in tune with him and what he's doing and praying into that and, interceding and keep going after this thing, staying connected to his heart. Um, the, there's the pursuit, all right? The pursuit. You, you don't, we don't just get to have a promise and it lands in your lap usually. We've got to pursue it. We've got to put ourselves into it. And we're going to see this thing happen. And so as, as a church, you know, we've been, we've been nomadic for a while. And before that, we've shared spaces. You know, Carmel Middle School, the well let us have evening services there for a while. But to get in our own place is going to be a game changer. And to get into a building. And so last August, the board of directors had a meeting on a Sunday afternoon. And we're, we're realizing our term that we could have where we could keep meeting at the Carmel Middle School was uh, we knew the clock was ticking to February. That was when our term was going to be up. And so we wanted to start praying into it, start looking around and see what we can find. And, but we, we know... The, t the clock's ticking. Jessica's been doing a lot of research and trying to look on the Internet and look different places to see if we can find a building anywhere. And everything that we could find was way too expensive or they, they there's no way they would even care to have a church in there. It, was, it just felt like it was going nowhere. And so, but, but we believe that when two or three come together in prayer and agreement, that Christ is there and he's, he's there to bless it. So we prayed. And that very afternoon, Jessica felt led by the Spirit to look online, and she found this building and, and was like, whoa, that wasn't even there before. And, uh, and so we, we pursued the, the building owner um, and started the dialogue with him. And that was last August, okay, because um, nobody had been returning our calls. So we've had, to, we've had to pursue the building owner, and since... He was like, yeah, let's explore this. We had to start, um, we had to, re we realized that not only do we have to get him to be on board with it, we have to get the city of Carmel legally to get on board with it. And through that, we found out that the building is not even in a, a zone that allows churches. 
And so we had to get special permission from the government, from the Board of Zoning Department, um, to, to see if we could have them rezone it for us, give us permits. So we had to go to the Board of Zoning of Appeals meeting on a, on a Monday night at the end of October, and, and we got unanimous approval to do this. Obviously, it comes with terms where we have to do renovations and stuff like that. But, uh, but also, we pursued the architect because he, he had to say, he had to, he had to tell us if, if he thinks we could even make it up to code or not. And, and from there, we had to pursue the contractors, all right? So, so that's the pursuit part, but then there's the favor part. And I, I hope that I'm about to stir a little bit of faith on this piece right here. Um, because favor is when, when you are doing what you know God's calling you to. You're staying connected to his heart. And we're believing that we know who we are, that we're his children, and we've got an inheritance, and that he's going to show up, right? So with the, with the building owner, um, he, there's been favor with him because he could have opened up that building to another business last August or September and haven't been getting rent this whole time. But for some reason, he wanted to see if he could make it work to get us in there. Now we're almost a year later, and he's gone without making rent in that space for that long because he's been holding out for us. And he's been doing the journey with us. There have been probably five good times along the way when it looked like there's no way this could possibly happen. And he was right there with us asking us, are you, are you still going to keep trying or do you feel like we need to probably pull out of this? And we're like, well, if you're willing, let's keep trying one step at a time. He said, okay, I'm with you. That happened probably four or five times, major times along the way. I'm right there with you. But he was following our lead, which is wild because this guy's a businessman. He's letting us take the lead on this. So crazy. And recently he told us that he actually has, the reason he's been doing this journey with us is because he feels like maybe it's part of his calling to help our church get in there and get established and to, and to grow. <laughs> it's awesome. This guy's a Catholic. But, and he, and he, but he, he has such, such honor and belief in, in us. It's crazy. So then we had that favor with the city, and I already told you we got unanimous approval by the city of Carmel to get permitted, which was amazing because we went into that meeting kind of nervous, and God showed up and gave us the favor. Uh, not only did they give us favor to get the permits, they gave us favor to start having our elements classes right there in the city hall, where, the place where they make votes to pass laws for the city of Carmel. What a, what a prophetic sign I felt that we get to bring the culture of heaven right into the environment where, where they pass laws it's wild and just the favor that was so good then the architect favor with the architect this man um, he, he's a Christian and he really wants to see this thing happen too and and there were time there was times early on when he went into that building with the owner looked it over and he told the owner I don't think it's possible for us, to, for us to get this, this building up to fire code. I don't think that it's going to work. And so he almost gave up right then, and the owner almost gave up right then. And we met so we could talk about it, and we're like, hey, 
can we explore this or this? And they're like, oh, I didn't think about that. And it starts making these light bulbs go off. And they start exploring more and find out it can work. And they're like, okay, let's make this happen. But there's favor because where they almost gave up, they're like, no, let's keep, let's keep going. And, uh, and this guy, his, his business actually used to be in that same building like 15 or 20 years ago. And they did a lot of the designing of the building. So he feels like God is actually making the full circle come around. And, and they have insights to the building that other architects wouldn't even have. So that's pretty wild. Part of the God story. And then, and then favor with the contractors who are going to be doing the renovation works. Um, I'm friends with both of them, probably getting to know them more through this journey. But it's pretty wild because the, the uh, what do you call the main contractor? Uh, the general contractor, sorry. Um, the quote that he gave for the work on this between between the owner's side of things and our side of things, because there's renovations that have to happen for both for this to happen, um, he actually quoted it at a, somewhere around $50,000 less than the other contractor quoted. That's pretty wild. And then the other guy who's going to be doing a lot of the physical construction in our part is actually a pastor that we're getting to know up in Michigan, and there's going to be costs with him but his personal work that he's going to do, he's actually donating his hours. A professional contractor donating his hours, knowing that it's going to take several weeks to get it done. And the reason he wants to do this is because he loves the Bethel movement and we're part of it. And he wants to sow into the kingdom. Is that not crazy? Wow. So God's on this, guys. And then there's the buy-in part, okay? And that's, that's you guys as a church family. We're buying in. We're, mainly we're buying into the vision of overflow. I believe that's probably a big part of why a lot of people want to be with us and the family that we're developing and stuff. But, but there's the buy-in of what we're doing. And I just want to say, like, we all, all of us who choose to put ourselves into this have stakes in the game and, and it's a kingdom investment, all right? I'm not talking about a bank, an earthly banking investment. It's a kingdom investment that as we put ourselves into this, there's going to be a yield from, the, from heaven that's going to be incredible. And so uh, there might be some people who are still deciding, like, how much are you going to be in this? And that's okay. Uh, there's no pressure, but we want to invite you to lay hold of this inheritance with us. And, and you get to determine how, how deep that goes, okay? Um, but we hope that, that you're capturing the significance of what God's doing in this that is bigger than just us trying to just get a church building. Like, there, there's, there's heaven agenda on this. And, and we've been telling you that we're going to be starting a fundraiser soon, um, and we're, we're going to be offering you and anybody that God would call to sow into this kingdom work. So that's coming soon, um, the fundraiser. And that's going to be an opportunity for people to to say, I got some buy-in on this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invest in, in the kingdom so we can see fruit come forth. All right? There's the opposition and obstacles that have, that have come against us. I mean, gosh, this has been a year almost uh, full of a series of breakthroughs and sweats and probably tears, maybe a little blood, at least in the spirit realm, <laughs> coming along to get to this point. 
but it's been pretty wild. There's been a lot of back and forth and up and down, and you think you're moving forward, and then, oh, we're pushing back. Hurry up and wait. It's kind of been the journey with this. And, and part of it, I'm not saying it's any person's fault. Like when I'm talking about Sam Ballot and Tobiah, I'm not saying we've got human enemies or anything. Uh, some of it's the enemy, Satan's kingdom. Some of it's just consequences. Some of it's the, bu- the bureaucracy of the city that we have to go through the different channels to get things. So it affects the timing and the sequences of things. The COVID and the quarantine has been a, an obstacle. Um, but, the, but there's been resistance from the enemy who's tried to really work against our faith and our hope levels in this and, and trying to do anything he can to disrupt the, the family, the church family heart connection and, and heart morale and commitment levels and stuff like that. So we just don't want to give the enemy any, any room to do what he does. We have a brand new obstacle right now I want to tell you guys about that we did not anticipate. I'm not going to tell you the detail of it, but we literally were, we thought that we're meeting with the owner this week with pen in hand to sign a contract and get this thing on the, on the road. And, and, and he was ready to as well, but we, we bumped into a detail on the contract um, that was not, we weren't getting comfortable with it. We, and, and so it's something that we still have to sort through. And I want to ask you guys to be praying for this, that God will bring a breakthrough. Um, because honestly, it, it, it could be a game changer. It, it, could, it could be the thing that's going to launch us forward or put a, put a halt on things and reevaluate what God's doing, okay? So we need prayer on that one. I just want you guys to be aware of that. But I want us to remember what Nehemiah said in, in chapter 4, verse 14. I'm going to repeat this to us. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren and your sons and your daughters and your wives and your houses. That we need to, we need to not allow fear or anxiety to come on us. We need to keep our, our focus on the Lord and remember how powerful and great He is. And to fight for one another. And fight with one another towards the breakthrough. So that's that unity thing, all right? Looking out for God's interest and, and each other in this. All right? There's going to be the work. There's going to be skin in the game, guys. Uh, there's going to be opportunities for us to get in there and help get things going. Prayer and intercessions is a part of the work that we want to ask you guys to keep staying, staying the course with us on. Um, just things like that. When we get the, start putting the words out for the fundraiser, help us spread the news. That's, that's part of the, the work of the skin in the game. The provisions, all right? I'm, going to, I'm almost done, by the way. Almost done here. The provisions. God's going to supply our needs according to His riches and glory because when you seek first kingdom and His righteousness, all these things are added to you. That's what we're doing. So, but we've got to keep praying for it. got to keep believing for the provisions. Um, and, and as we're getting ready to start this fundraiser, I'd love for us as a church to be praying in unity for God to open the floodgates of heaven and pour on us and surprise us. We've got target goals and dream goals and and man, what if God wants to even go beyond the dream part of it? That'd be amazing. I want to tell you a testimony. Before we even started all this, God already started supplying some needs. It's pretty wild. Um, we, we, we have a, a lady in our church. I didn't ask her if I could say this, so I'm not going to say names. But uh, the company that she works for actually uh, recently moved out of the building that they've been in 
and they wanted to donate to our church a bunch of furniture and supplies. It's not the sanctuary seating, but there's a lot of chairs that we can use in like classrooms, tables, some round tables, some desks, and different things. So probably, I'm going to guess it's probably over $2,000 worth of stuff that they gave us. They had no need to, but they gave it to us for free. It's pretty crazy. There's a local church um, here in town that, uh, that sold us some, some chairs for the kids' classrooms for really cheap. But then they gave us some more things, and they told us that they're always getting new things and getting rid of things. And so we're, like, on the top of their list of people to check out to see if they have anything that we might need. Pretty wild. God's favor's on this. He's bringing the provisions, and I trust that he's going to keep doing that, and we're going to see more testimonies come through. And we've already had some people, even months ago, donate towards this building project way before we even had a, a bank account set aside for that. So that's amazing, too. Now, please, if you want to give, wait until we've sent you the, the proper channels of how to do that. Just make it easier for us. But it's amazing. So there's the persistence. We're staying the course, guys. And then there's the reward. We're believing that God's going to get us into the building. The reward for some of us is going to be we're not doing setup and tear down every week. The reward for some of us might be we're going to have an air conditioner. <laughs> the reward for some of us might be that we can access it in the midweek for having classes. Uh, but ultimately, the reward is what I've been saying. It's that we're going to be building the kingdom at a higher level in that place. And that's what we're excited about.